0: Welcome to the Queer Arabs Podcast. This is Alia. And Ellie, And we are the Queer Arabs. I am Saudi American and a lesbian.
1: I am bi, trans, and Lebanese, and we are recording in America.
0: And Samia, can you introduce yourself?
2: Hi, I'm Samia Abuorf. I am a Palestinian-American poet, a queer woman who lives in Philadelphia. Yes.
0: Um, sorry, Samia. I said Samia. Sorry about that. That's okay. (laughs) Um, Samia is going to start with one of her pieces. She's a poet. And um, go ahead when you're ready.
1: Throw down.
2: All right. Um, So this poem is called 20 Things I Have to Say to the Three White Men Who This Week Told Me They Had a Thing for Middle Eastern Women. One, fuck you. Two, is that supposed to impress me? That you have supposedly overcome your white genetic predisposition to find anyone with melanin unattractive? Should I be proud of you? Three, I'm glad you're not overtly racist. Four, I'm disappointed you don't see that you're definitely secretly racist. Five, do you say that to any white woman you meet? Six, am I supposed to be flattered now that you've declared me worthy of your filthy stare, your intrusive gaze? Seven, I'm not. Eight, am I supposed to be more attracted to you now that you've said that? Nine, I'm not. Ten, am I supposed to forget the Facebook posts you make about hating the terrorists and the foreigners and the immigrants? Eleven, I won't. And for my dad, I'll say, fuck you. 12, I already thought I was attractive before you said that. Thanks for reminding me that men will have to consider my ethnicity before deeming me fuckable. 13, what made you believe I care if you think I'm fuckable? 14, I don't care about you men like you who propagate white fearfulness, white supremacy from behind your grinding teeth, who from the second grade made me ashamed of my father for speaking Arabic, for wanting me to learn Arabic, for stumbling over his vast English vocabulary, even though he uses his brilliance, his PhD, his second language to offer more good in an hour of broken speech than you will ever babble in a lifetime. Fifteen, fuck you for making me feel ashamed of my father, for teaching me early that there are good and bad ways to be exotic 16 fuck you for teaching me there are good ways to be exotic 17 what makes you so attracted to middle eastern women I mean, truly, is it my pride? Is it my loud mouth, whiplash tongue? Is it the fire in my chest that burns holes in all your bullshit? Is it that I don't bow to you? Is it that you want to make me bow to you because I've sown strength that could break every bone in your body? Is it my body? Is it the way I look similar to what you see on the news? Middle Eastern women's bodies, lifeless and cold and bloodied and busted and crying and hollow, but you couldn't give a fuck about those bodies? but to see it in front of you, whole and graceful, clever and angry. Is it fun for you to humanize me? Give hips and a stance to the mercurial marionette that the media makes of me? Is it fun to selectively pick which brown bodies you see is worthy? Or just poke with the mild interest and distance of a zoo animal. It's a good thing she was born here. I hear they're on the endangered list. 18, if I could curse you out in Arabic, I would. 19. I sometimes hate myself because I can't curse you out in Arabic. 20. Let me tell you what is so attractive about Middle Eastern women. They see death and dying and ache and longing in every dream and every waking nightmare. They water the earth with their tears and wake the next day to weed and cultivate and grow the garden of their hearts. The sorrow and grief and fear will splinter them, shave off tiny pieces of their souls but they repair. They mend and glue and press themselves back together using tools they made with the hands of their mothers. They have no other choice. They seek solace in the circles of other women. They learn to embolden themselves against a culture that demands they assimilate or disintegrate, turn the porcelain of their hearts to steel. And do you know how much that hurts? Have you ever grown steel from bare bones? They breathe sunshine and laugh springtime. They carry the past on their backs, cradle the future in their arms. They support and they rise and they love and love and love. The most attractive thing about Middle Eastern women is that they have never needed you. That's
1: it. All right.
0: I am full of goosebumps (laughs) right now.
1: You know what? Show's Uh, over. We can't follow that up. You know, that's
0: uh, seriously. We've
1: peaked this week. Done. I
0: think. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, This just brings. I. I I think so many. Everyone listen. Most people listening to this will. Like, it'll be like it's themselves that they're hearing about.
1: I think we just all fist bumped each other.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yes. This this takes me back to a time when a guy told me that and was like, you're Arabian or Persian, right? In this like lustful manner as if it mattered. My if my response would sway whether he was attracted to me or not. (sighs)
2: <sighs> yeah, I, it's definitely been something that I I feel like I dealt with a lot, and uh, yeah, I did actually I did really get it three times in one week from three different people on on various uh, oh like forums God. and and in person, and I was like, what is up with these people? Like, what is up with these men? Yes. You know, who feel as though like that's how they're going to identify me? Yeah, uh, and and the way that the this the one guy said it, I was like outside of, of a bar. And yeah. he was like, he was like, oh, you know, well, I have a thing for Middle Eastern women. And I just looked at him and I was like, oh, so, oh, let me just take you home then. You know, you yeah. picked me. You picked me, me. You're so charitable. Thank you. Right. <laughs> wow. Good for you, buddy. Like, yeah. Well, wow. <laughs> like I wanted cause... to look at and be like, oh, well, too bad I'm not into white guys. Like, <laughs> sorry.
1: It's like,
0: too bad it's not. It doesn't go the other way.
1: Right. It's like, That's adorable, but. That's adorable. I don't, I don't date ethnic people. Like. <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> Angles really aren't my thing, but thanks. But like... thanks.
1: <laughs> Sorry, you're yeah, just so... tedious to me.
2: <laughs> right. Oh, it my was, gosh. That was a mess me. But, so, yeah, I, but I got this poem out of it, so I mean,
1: possibly uh, yeah.
0: worthwhile, maybe not. <laughs> no, so much art comes out of frustrating experiences. So much amazing work comes out of frustrating or like negative experiences that you choose to create, um, create something beautiful from which it's, it makes it into something good because people will feel validated, Mm -hmm. I think, in their anger, because I think this is something that a lot of people can't, I think I, for example, feel everything you said, but I, I wouldn't know how to articulate why. Um
1: i'm i I feel it felt feel it too because in my dating time before alia that came up pretty often, you know uh-huh. single trans girl who's also Arab, and yeah i'm I'm already like rocking the exotic card pretty hard before the Arab starts, so uh-huh.
0: did people mostly focus on you being trans or being middle eastern
1: uh trans because usually it was like i've talked about it before is it, it, it was always like the dirty little secret and it's like oh you're arab how exotic and i'm like okay yeah yeah I, I feel like it's like picked up a lot because arabs are sort of the enemy of america much like mm-hmm. like before that you know the russian women were fetishized in the bond films as these femme fatale types oh. which was kind of cool because they were like very strong and empowered as opposed to like Arab women who are you know victims of their culture in every depiction and Hmm. so right
2: yeah and right well and i also feel like as a palestinian Uh, I I feel like, you know, I don't want to step on anyone else's toes, but I do feel like Palestinian women are often demonized almost more than any other, I would say, like, nationality, individually. Um, You know, and we are told that we we make terrorists you know and we we have terrorist babies and we raise our children to be terrorists and yeah. and things like that and and so for me it's very like you don't get to hate me and fetishize me but that uh, that is how fetishizing works right it, i i actually yeah. think fetishizing is is based in in a feeling of hatred a feeling that uh, something is gross and disgusting on one level, but therefore should be wanted because it's so taboo.
0: Because of that hate or that negative connotation or negative depiction or thought it turns into a very disrespectful want Mm -hmm. or disrespectful lust. Mm -hmm. And it, I'm going to have all these fantasies about you and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, will I take you home to my family?
1: Mm-hmm. No. Fuck no. But- um,
0: Palestinian, that's a good point you bring up. I'm glad you mentioned that because also, I don't know if this is accurate, but do you feel that being Palestinian, there's also the element of, oh, the poor Palestinians. Uh, it's being so charitable of me to want or, I don't know. I, I get, in a way, in a sense, I get that as an Arab woman in general.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm wondering if you feel that too.
2: Not no not particularly um yeah mostly because i think i'm all the palestinian women i know are like loudmouth bitches in the best way Heck yes. you know so yeah i i don't i don't think that i think among palestinians the depiction of palestinian women is strong freedom fighters yeah and i would like to hope that among other like arab identities people see us that way yeah um but i i know that like you know, generally, Palestinian women hold themselves in the light of being strong, being freedom fighters, being independent. Um, I don't think that they would allow themselves to be like infantilized, really. Um, And I don't, I mean, there is sort of that because of like the Orientalism that takes place, it sort of is like, you know, you you want, the, there is part of that in the fetishization, I would say, like, you know, genie in a bottle, like harem girl, you know, like, yeah. you know, needs to be, needs a white man to, you know, liberate her so yes. that, you know.
1: The jazz. Yeah. I guess that's
0: what I was getting at. Yeah. It's more like I'm white and you're whatever, you know, oh, I see. whatever okay. flavor of Arab and you should just feel so lucky that I'm into you. Um, right. The
1: master race has deigned to step down from the pedestal of whiteness to, to come towards you.
0: Yeah, I, I have felt that so much within among the dating world mm-hmm. and it's it's not it doesn't have to even be said out loud to be clear what someone mm-hmm. is feeling or thinking And
1: I was thinking about it more from like a power play perspective you know here's the here's the woman of the enemy who i am now going to basically mm-hmm. sexually do- have sex with and be yeah. awesome at and look at me like being so both woke but empowered and viral viral i've never actually said that word out loud um mm-hmm. yeah but i don't know i guess i'm yeah, yeah. yeah
2: it's about domination
1: yeah it's about power right. It's power and- domination and control
2: yeah right yeah. And historically, men have used women or feminized bodies as a form of uh, asserting dominance over other men as, uh. as part of, you know, whatever patriarchal society, you know, take your pick. But, uh, you know, to me, like, that's one of the points in my in my poem. I I feel like it goes over people's heads just because it happens so quickly. But I do think it's incredibly important that it's in there is sort of saying, like, you know, fuck you for teaching me early that there are good and bad ways to be exotic, right? Like, I can be a good exotic girl or I can be a bad exotic girl. And then the next line is like, fuck you for teaching me that there are good ways to be exotic, which is then to question the entire formula that creates exotic people and non-exotic people based on, you know, whatever historical context is happening at the time. But I, I I think it goes over people's heads, but it's one of my favorite lines in the poem, even if it's not like quite so powerful or hard hitting at the moment because it is sort of like it gets at fetishization and then it's like but the fact that I'm being othered at all is wrong like that's a system that needs to be broken down glad you brought that part up
0: yeah that's that's one that I will need to one that I will now that you explained it it'll sit with me
2: long term
1: yeah we'll have to it's always
2: a line that's bothered me because I feel like it never it never goes over exactly the way that I want it to, but I've finagled with it so much and I just can't quite make it hit the way that I want it to exactly. And I've just gotten used to like, okay, well, you know, that one is might just have to be one that people notice on a second reading or a second. Yeah. Yeah. Or one
0: yeah, one that comes up in like now, like comes up and is discussed afterwards. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and then like everyone sort of pauses at this part and replays the beginning.
2: Yeah. Right, I hope so.
1: <laughs> yeah, our playtime statistics are probably going to be weird on this episode. I
0: hope. <laughs> In a good way.
1: Yes. It'll it's be like... like this episode like... is only like an hour, but but the average is three hour playtime per person. What the? Oh. <laughs> what is going
0: on? Yeah. Wow. Uh, so when did you start writing poetry? I guess maybe that's... I don't know if you can pinpoint a specific time, but if...
2: So. Um. I mean, I would say I think I started writing poetry at all back when I was, like, 13, but it was mostly kind of, like, sad, sappy, depressed 13-year-old angst mm-hmm. sort of making its way out of my body, um, Yeah. and then I would say that I increased the volume as I was, like, heading into high school, uh, just, like, creating a lot more content, and then I would say... When it morphed into the form that it sort of takes now, which is somewhere between slam and spoken word, uh, I would say that that happened probably my sophomore year of college. Um, where I just there was like one piece that I wrote like in the basement of like my university's library, and I was I signed up to read it an open mic off campus. and it just sort of took off from then and and since then, I wow. have created a lot of content that is supposed to be like read by like a reader but the majority of things I write I write to recite or read or perform myself and for people to hear it in my voice which I've grappled with a little because it feels selfish a little bit like you know no one can hear my art except in the way that I will put it out into the world but to me it's much more of a I it's about experiencing it again and again and again myself as yeah. I read it yeah and that has become incredibly important for me like I feel like I haven't quite processed a poem until I've written it edited it finished it and then read it to you know hopefully a bunch of different people but yeah at, you like know, different least one person
0: different crowds I bet mm-hmm. I bet it getting different reactions are is kind of cool yeah maybe changes the experience each time a little bit.
2: It does. And it's interesting to see at different times or at different venues, what people find. Yeah. Like the, like things like the most hard hitting lines or things that they like the most. And one of the greater things about doing it in person is slam is so much of an interaction between the audience and the reader. Yeah. Uh, you know, like audience members are encouraged to snap or, you know, make like an mm sound or even like yell out, you know, things like, you know, hear that or, you know, things like that. Where like it, it becomes very much so that they feed off my energy and I feed off of what they give me. So it does sort of change the poem each time I read it for a different crowd. Yeah. Uh, just even seeing parts of poems that people like I see people nodding at in the audience. And that sort of is like, oh, well, I, I wonder what it was about that line that they liked so much or things like that and it it does sort of change the performance a little every time
0: yeah um there was a girl i was sitting next to i think at the yellow punk poetry reading and you were reading a poem about your name and how people just you know (laughs) refuse to get it right refuse to like hold it in their mouth correctly she she made a comment she had a moment she's also palestinian and she said that she locked eyes with you at one point and she just it that moment stuck with her so heavily and it was hearing you read the poem and then hearing her reaction was so powerful together
2: for me I wish Uh, she had introduced herself (laughs) oh yeah her um yeah uh,
0: we can we'll talk we can talk we'll talk later later later, privately yeah 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 (laughs) Uh, yeah she, she mentioned that's amazing. it I know she mentioned it quite a bit later and so it was cool to hear to kind of revisit that
2: poem you know later on I mean that's definitely what I go for as, a, yeah. as an artist as a writer I, I really do hope to provoke feelings in people and one of the things that I think is so beautiful about language is how exacting it is and that yeah. there are words for everything and if there isn't I can craft words to make an idea if that idea doesn't have a word that encompasses it wholly, you know? So that I love that about, it's so exact, it's so precise and I can change it a million times. And to me, that's what the majority of my writing is, is grappling with is this being as honest to a feeling or an idea as possible. And if it's not, how can I fix it so that it is as true to what I mean to what I actually mean? as possible. It's nice to use language to connect with people about thoughts that were sort of mystified or, or gray before.
0: Yes, something that stuck out for me, hearing your poem just now, where I thought, this is amazing to hear these feelings articulated. Thank you. It's always been kind of a vague concept in my head of why does this bother me as much as it does. So have you written in other formats or is poetry your your jam?
2: Yeah, I, uh, I've i always been, like, a decent writer in academics or in my studies, um, but any yeah. sort of writing outside of poetry I find just so incredibly difficult, which mm-hmm. maybe is a sign that I should try and challenge myself to do more of that. And I've, I've written some sort of – well, I've halfway written some, like, political opinion pieces that I would like to do more with in the future. There's this, like, grassroots socialist group in – Philadelphia called the Philly Socialists and they have a like a quarterly, I think, newspaper called The Partisan. Oh, cool. And I've been thinking about submitting some stuff to them uh, just as a politically minded person. Ooh, um, you sh-
0: totally
1: yeah. should. Politically yeah, minded Arabs, you say?
0: Right. Hell yeah.
2: <laughs> Never heard of one of them before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's sometimes it's okay to lean into the stereotypes.
2: Right. Oh, hell yeah
0: and be proud of it
2: yeah I definitely do take on like loud irate Arab woman pretty well. I'm <laughs> very proud of it very happy with it
0: yep that shows up with me pretty often yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm half Saudi and half white I guess and so it, it turns on and off I guess but my non-Arab side of the family is sometimes like whoa whoa when when i express something meanwhile when it's i actually, express oh yeah
1: go ahead no no please oh i was about to say with my arab family it's like oh you have a political opinion how quaint <laughs> why well it's well everyone in the family has a political opinion that is based in like that's couched in the last 30 years of middle um. eastern and <laughs> american history and they're like, well, according to this person's book, with so and so, that did they just publish? And I'm like, uh-huh. and I was like, God damn it, you people are too well read and too well couched in <laughs> everything, and I can't argue with that because I'd have to read 14 books to do so.
2: <laughs> oh, I see. I uh, it's actually I'm also I'm also half white. Um, my mom's family goes back in U.S. America, uh, basically all the way back to the beginning. Yeah. Um, but it's. It's interesting because her family is a large I mean it's like the closest thing to a matriarchy I've ever seen in real life. Um, we just have very strong women, independent women. My family is so women-centered and women I mean women focused, I guess. Ugh. That sounds it sounds like exclusive towards men, but I the men in my family just you know grow up being okay with powerful you know women around them um and so for so for me yeah like for the white part of my family probably honestly is more oh, cool. aggressive i would say yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, but, yeah that, that so feels it, so refreshing
0: to, especially this week yeah so
2: yeah
1: uh for context we're in the we're in the kavanaugh hearings uh week that we're recording this yes yeah, so. <laughs> so they haven't voted the judiciary hasn't voted to confirm or decline yet but basically everyone is jumping on Kavanaugh and, and SS, SNL has been making fun of them. so yeah at that point public opinion has pretty much turned against them so, so that's this historic that is the socio-political context of when we're recording
0: yes and by the time this drops who knows what will happen what mm. will have happened I oh, should God. say recording yeah. around
1: political hot times
0: yeah this- aren't they always mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah that's true
1: Ugh. It's like. When is it not? It's like at least with Obama, we could like tune out for a week and not like completely lose the point and like this lose the page in our political discourse.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it didn't feel like the world was teetering all the time. Exactly. Know? But yeah. certainly, yeah. He yeah. Wasn't there, perfect, certainly but... some,
0: there were certainly problems, but it wasn't every single day you're just on edge, right? Wondering why women are just getting right. so much hate constantly yeah it's yeah. like he
1: was, he was just only endorsing you know genocidal states and you know approving like drone strikes against you know into countries that you know we're technically not at war at but true yeah. but you know that was just basic like the basic u.s imperialism now we're sort of like at you know, hypertoxic masculinity, both internally and externally, as well as you know, possibly starting another fucking cold war.
2: Right. <sighs> Tough times.
0: Yeah. Anyway. uh So, what did you? Well, since I saw you at Yellow Punk, so I would love to hear your impressions of Yellow Punk. What did you ajo- enjoy about the fest, and why did you feel that it was important to be there?
2: So, a full disclosure: I could not attend Yellow Punk. Friday or Saturday, I was scheduled to work and could not get out of it. Oh, okay. um, so I was just there on, on Sunday for the vendors and the movie screenings and the poetry reading. Um, awesome. But for what I was there for, I I mean, I just think it, it... I mean, I just can't give enough props to the organizers. That is so much work, and uh, they, they put it all together basically by themselves. Um, and I just... I, I can never give enough praise um to those two women for for putting it together uh, the second year in a row it just is incredible to me uh the amount of of uh, work that goes into yellow punk so i'll I'll say that first um and then to come and for it to truly be a space of brown sort of like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I just like divergence from uh, like a stereotypical, uh, I, I guess I don't know. I'm like putting my foot in my mouth here. Um, I would just say seeing people who maybe find themselves living alternative lives to what I guess I would say their parents saw them doing. Yes. I guess that's me, that's me projecting a little maybe, but you know, uh, people who are, Queer, trans, non-binary, punk, angry, shaved heads, anti-capitalist, you know, anti-U.S. government things like that. I just think it it was so amazing to see all these people in in one space, uh, yeah. and and the the vendors. I would say, I for me, I feel like I grew up pretty isolated from any sort of Arab community. Uh, I grew up in like a really small town in South Jersey. I was basically all white. Um, And, you know, besides like a few other people of color and a few black people in my high school, it was really all white. Um, I didn't even identify as a brown person or a person of color until after I got to college. Um, People just told me that I was like tan all year round, which just, yeah, it it just never struck me that like, okay, I'm actually like, I have a political identity that Uh, decides things for me before I do a lot of the time, especially with my name that, you know, sort of um, presents me to people before they even meet me as some sort of political identity. Uh, But, but to see this, these vendors from all across the country, people from all across the country sort of putting out art and, and doing work and creating using symbols that I know and and um art that resonates with me that I, it just was so it allowed me to feel brought into the fold a little um and and it's just so I'm, I'm friends with you know uh, people of color and white people um but not a whole lot of Arabs um or like Arab Americans or anything like that uh and so some things like Symbols, especially like Palestinian identity, I have to explain to people. And it was really cool to show up to Yella and like there's a table with all this like Palestinian art on it. And it just was like amazing to see these symbols that I know so intimately out in the world. It just reaffirms that I exist.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I felt everything you said strikes a chord with me because I also grew up, you know, pretty separate from any Arab, Arab anything. So it's just, it felt very like home being at Yellow Punk just felt like home because it was also, like you said, um, with accept very open minded, accepting people. Mm -hmm. And it was a come as you are environment for the Swana community. It was just, it was really Really, a novel experience.
1: I felt like I didn't have to sort of play down my politics, my identity, or, you know, and I, did, I feel like I didn't stand out at that conference at all. And I kind of love that. Yeah. You know, because, you know, tall trans girl who is very political outspoken. Oh, wait, I blend right into this crowd. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's like, I'm it was- not even the loudest person here. I'm. I'm I'm really okay with that.
0: You're like this is what it feels like <laughs> to not stand out more than the entire group. Whoa. Yeah.
2: It's very affirming. Yes. Yeah. Um, that there are other people in the world and across the country who this is also their reality. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I felt like it was really timely for me, especially because like I had been like you like if people listen to the podcast consistently they'll occasionally hear me talk about how i feel like you know queer arabs are a people without a nation and you know and that like and i've said it before it's that we're you know we're most of us are children of of immigrants we're in our respective countries where we have some degree of acceptance but we face the you know usual majority hostility for being Arab, sometimes for being queer, but we can't go home like our parents sometimes talked about because hostility at home, and we have while we do have connections, we don't have some of us don't have the language. some of us would be lost in those countries, so right, and sometimes I feel lost in America, even though it's raised my whole life here, yep. So it kind of felt, it felt very timely for me to go that. So it kind of made me feel a lot better.
2: Same here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I also, I I do think, I mean, I, I think as a group of people, our parents, you know, immigrants, Arab immigrants, I would say, but also, I mean, it's, it's not singular to, to Arabs. I, I would say like, you know, white Americans, of yeah. that generation struggle also with coming to terms with this, what sort of seems like um, this blossoming world of, of queerness and homosexuality and being very open and uncloseted and joyful about um, uh, different differences in heteronormative lifestyles, basically, you know? So, but I, I do think for, and I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I think for a lot of queer Brown people, It is a twofold struggle, um, because you, I mean, and I don't, I never want to put anybody in my family on blast, but my dad does struggle still with my queerness and he loves me unconditionally and would never, you know, think of, of not accepting me any other way than how I am. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's taken some time to get there. Um. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, well, it's just taken some time for both of us to be completely comfortable with my queerness in the same space. Um, and he's learning and he's, he's willing to learn. And that's, you know, amazing. And I, I love him very much and I'm so happy and proud of him for um, coming that far. But it's difficult though, because I try to talk to some of my white friends or my friends who don't have immigrant parents and they sort of want to put, my dad in a box and I, I don't want to defend some of the times where he's been less sensitive, but I then am put in this position where I do have to defend him because I, you know, and I, I can say, you know, he grew up in a world where, you know, homosexual, like homosexuality didn't exist outside of the closet for a lot of people, you know? So don't, don't put all your, you know, Westernized ideas of progress on my father, you know, but at the same time, I I don't, I don't want to defend moments where he's less sensitive than others you know right uh, and it does sort of put me in this like position of of um, my white you know my my arabness versus my queerness and those two things are not at odds with each other in any sense but people uh, yeah. put me in positions where I feel the need to be one or the other
0: right we talk about that so much on here about like compartmentalization that we've had to do of like our Arabness and our queerness and
1: how sometimes people act actively try to play this, those things against each other, like say Orlando yeah. shootings, cough, cough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: That was really hard. It was. I I do. I, that was that day that actually was, it was a couple of days after that happened that I came out to my whole family. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Oh, because what I just sort of had a, a moment where. I don't, there was something about it that I just felt hit so close to home because I did feel like here is this closeted, uh, well, I mean, they, I, I'm not sure. And I hate to like, you know, humanize the shooter in a way that minimizes the horrific uh-huh. um, consequences of his action and the way that he murdered people. Uh, you know, I, I never want to do that. Yeah. Um, so let's I just put the disclaimer that... there.
1: He straight up murdered people. And right. he's an awful human being and he should never be right. forgiven. But let's get let's go for some context say, to your personal life.
2: Right. Well, I, I just I will say that he was a, a closeted brown man. Yes. And that there are certain effects of living that lifestyle of self hatred and of fear about being yourself within certain confines of society uh, that can really hurt you. And I think that this person obviously did not deal with that in any real way and and did something very heinous at the same time, I will just say. You know, that um, to stop these things from happening on a societal level we need to do better at um yeah curbing our homophobic nature as a society absolutely um, and and as and as the arabs you know we we can all do better
0: yeah um, this took a really
2: dark turn oh geez <laughs> no
0: but i know it's important though i'm i i think that was a really really necessary example um this makes me think of my brother who grew up in Saudi Arabia, and when he was 15 or so, we were talking, and he told me that gay people don't exist in Saudi Arabia, and I just felt so sad for him, mm-hmm. just felt so sad for him actually believing that, and living yeah. in a place where he is taught that, and I just thought, God forbid, you know, if what if he were to need to come out and can't you know Mm -hmm. or anyone in that society it's it's just really that has stuck with me since then because i've just thought i mean hopefully things are getting a little more accessible to people like um, with forums online communities and stuff but still Mm -hmm. i don't know Um, just that lack of awareness that there was even Queerness in the in Saudi Arabia. I just thought
1: uh, there's so much to be done. I feel like part of the part of the reason like Western society has gotten okay with this is because mm-hmm. I feel like there's always been like an undercurrent of queerness that is propped up every so often. You've of course got the Greek's nation history. Then you've got like Austen Wilde, Liberace, and several other celebrities <laughs> who are confirmed bachelors or and oh. stuff that exists in history, like uh, Sappho, you know. She was fucking awesome. And they're there for people to find. But I kind of think about, like, you know, queer Arabs in historical context. And I'm drawing a blank. And, like, part of that is probably because I'm not well-read or researched enough. But the other part of it is it's just not passed to me. It doesn't – I, I have no context for that. Even going back, there were moments like in Western history where, like, queerness was ex- variably um, accepted, like you know, in Weimar Germany before, you know, the World War, and right. and uh, yeah, I'm probably fucking up like a lot of things in there, but what I'm saying is, you know, I I feel like that we the Arab. Historical experience doesn't have any underlying queerness that's easily accessible, or at yeah. least mentioned outside of like academic circles. You yeah. know,
2: but well, and I would I would add to that just to say that I think that the uh, U.S. America has a history of secularism, uh, and I think when you find yourself in you know way more uh, religious or or orthodox um places or or historical contexts, you know, even in the US too, you know, I mean, evangelicals are are, you know, rampantly anti-gay, you know, to the to the point of, of, of violence, you know. So right. uh I, I would say them, but also the US as well, you know, just in different places. You know, mm-hmm. but I, I do think that the US's historical context of secularism has allowed for a little more Leeway towards a, a gay liberation movement or, or queer liberation movement um, in a historical context. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Good point. Which helps. Yeah. Any little bit helps. Right. So, um... Well,
2: since we're talking about queerness so much, can I, do you mind if I read you my second poem? Oh, Please. Yeah, I was about yes. to suggest,
1: well, I got happy. Let's break it up okay. with a poem. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Perfect. Okay. So Perfect. Uh, this one's about, um, having sex with a woman and uh just having a pretty beautiful experience hell
1: yeah, yeah. we already fist pumped. <laughs> we
2: <We're> did <done. laughs> yay yeah uh it doesn't have a title okay you smell like freshly cleaned linens she says her damp fingers close to her face and mine how is it that you smell so clean so fresh I want to tell her I feel so pure, here, with her weight pressing down on me, her breath hot in my ear. I want to tell her how she pulls a string of butterflies from inside me, one right after another, pulls little knots of whimsy and wonder and sweetness from somewhere deep within. She tells me my vagina is beautiful. I invite her deeper into the depths of me, and my body has never felt more open more receptive. She is, for me, Tabula Rasa. Here, I am the way the universe intended, powerful people, because I am soft and open wide, without worry or doubt, trusting and calm, existing seamlessly in this body, whole and hers, but also mine again. Hallelujah. That's it. Wow,
0: that's exquisite.
2: Thank
1: you.
0: Okay, that was a very
1: nice. We had to hold transi- hands. <laughs> we-, <laughs> we had to hold hands
0: to transition. <laughs> <laughs> we totally did. <laughs> that warms my heart so much. Oh, that was a very nice transition from our very serious, sort of dark, darker.
1: dark historical <laughs> stuff
0: <laughs> <laughs> into the sweetness oh, and light
1: of all that poetry. Ah.
0: Yeah just, yeah, just both passionate and very gentle at the same time, which I yeah, just... Yeah, um... which I
2: find that my, with women, generally is. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
2: So I'm gentle and passionate.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's stunning. Um, and, and like, like, I guess I'm curious. I, I'm trying to think the best way to word this.
1: Word it badly. Word of,
0: well, no, I just want to know about, like, what are some of your passions? Uh, okay, like, additional additional to writing poetry, what are some of your other passions? And are those, your passions are often reflected in your writing? Other things that you're passionate about? Uh,
2: yeah, okay, so stuff that I'm, like, interested in is, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, always been politically inclined but recently i've gotten since i like graduated from college i've gotten pretty involved in small sort of grassroots leftist political organizing small communities of people doing um work basically within their own communities to to improve the lives of people to fight fascism fight racism fight homophobia so that's been really amazing doing that work um and, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of my writing is incredibly political. You heard it in my first poem. All the stuff I did at Yellow Punk was really political as well. Um, yeah. But – and a lot of my stuff is political, even if it doesn't seem to be political off the cuff, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. The the poem I just read you, I, I feel as though that poem is political. Um, I mean, I have a – so I uh, – I'm – queer in the sense that i'm attracted to um men women non-binary folks i don't to me my sexuality doesn't really can't really be encompassed by any sort of label which is why queer works so well yeah um for me but um i've had yeah yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. i've had some um bad experiences in the past um with like sexual relationships with men. Um, and I do have a sexual assault. And so for me, this poem, the woman who I wrote this poem about was the first person I was intimate with um, after the most recent assault occurred. So wow. it it felt incredibly political to be taking my body back, to feel like gentle and open and receptive to another person. Um, and, and that to me is political. Um, and to take myself out of a realm in which, um, masculinity is a domineering force during intimate moments with partners. Um, and to open myself up to a world that is soft and gentle and loving in its, its encounters with other bodies, you know? So, so even if, So I would say that, yes, like politics do find their way into my poetry. And I've written things that are explicitly political. I've written poems about Donald Trump and, um, you know, poems about uh, like Black Lives Matter and and things like that, poems about Palestine, things that are explicitly political. But I I do feel as though the majority of my poetry is political in nature um, because I feel as though I'm a political being. Um, all the time. And I, I hold the belief that the personal is political. Um, and to think otherwise is to become like a silent witness in the face of oppression and things like that. So I, yeah, I would say that, yes, definitely that, that interest finds its way in. I also, um, I love to sing. I love movies. Um, and it, this might feel like a stretch, but I, I feel like my love of movies, I love, um, I, I think this is the right word for it, like the cinematography. Like I love the camera work in movies and the, the yeah. creating of certain frames, which is also why I, I like graphic novels a lot too, because I think that the framing of certain moments becomes so incredibly intentional in a way that I think is so beautiful. Um, and I think that that visualization of a moment is what guides me towards creating metaphor in my writing. Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah, The imagery is definitely there. I mean, the, the very, you can definitely visualize a lot of your poetry in your imagination when you hear it. Um, Yeah. Thank uh, you.
1: But going back to the whole, you know, queer as a word Mm
2: -hmm.
1: for yourself, it's like, I, I introduce every show saying that I am bi, but that's, I've always just said bye, just because I'm like, well, I don't want to have to explain pansexual and sexual orientation and you know, mm. gender spectrum to everyone, so I'm just gonna say bye because that saves me a conversation. Mm. So I I really feel you on that, but that's, that's fair. I know
2: I totally understand that, and it's actually interesting because people ask me why I, why I don't identify as bi and why I use queer as a sexual orientation, mm-hmm. um, and I my response always is just that that to me, the defiance of a categorization so that people like literally don't know what I'm interested in, like that's that's a more political statement to me. So for me, that's what I'm inclined to do. But people I know who hold the exact same belief that I do, I've heard this recently and I, I like it. Um, and I have started to use it a little more, use bisexual, I mean, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've started to use bisexual a more based on the explanation that people say that bisexual doesn't mean like, this uh, separate category and this separate category but it means like both sides of the spectrum and everything in between oh as far as like feminine or masculine uh as categories like it's, it's not just like this discrete category of man and this uh-huh. discrete category of woman but it's much more of like the entire spectrum of masculinity femininity wherever a person may fall on that i find mm-hmm. myself attracted to people on both ends of that spectrum
1: Large. And I appreciate
2: that I as a as an explanation. Said that that's that is awesome. Okay,
1: I like your definition way better. It's way better than my lame. I'm tired of talking about it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's that is uh, that's totally real and and uh, like a valuable statement as well. Yeah, I, I think also that's
0: justified. Agree. You you get exhausted.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I, of of explaining every.
2: Like,
1: I, I constantly. Yeah, especially with the trans thing attached to that. It's like I'm just so tired of talking about certain things. Yeah. It's like sexuality, it's like yeah. I don't I don't want to explain anything anymore. Can we just please flirt and eat? <laughs> it's like,
2: That's... well, if I'm interested in you, you'll know. So <laughs> Exactly, that, know yes. Like, like
0: I will offer that information if I think that you are someone I'm <laughs> interested in telling like offering that to
1: but i also feel like everything is political everything is rebellion or consent to the status quo Mm -hmm. so i i feel you there like
0: yeah even like your your poem about your name samya at yellow punk was so political because it's a reflection of white america othering anyone who is not them And a refusal
1: to sort of, like, submit and assimilate to their pronunciations and their views of how you should be.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the two go hand in hand. Yes. Um, And people who – I don't know. I always say this, uh, but, you know, we've learned how to say, like – you know, Tchaikovsky, and and we've learned how to say all these names of white people who we deem really important, but then, Mm -hmm. you know, black people, like, I mean, like, Africans and African-Americans names are butchered on, you know, the Oscars and the Emmys, and it's like, how in God's name are we, like, still allowing this as a society? Just this blatant disrespect. Your name is the only thing that gets attached to you for your entire life. Like, you're, I mean, you know, for most people. You know, uh, especially people who are, you know, sort of more on the heteronormative end of things. I would say that, like, your name is the one thing that you get when you're given and it's the one thing you'll be assured that you have when you die. Yeah. And to just, like, disrespect that, I think, is in- incredibly, just for me, blatantly racist.
0: Yeah, um, definitely. If-
2: because it is tied to whiteness and people whose names are fucked up are mostly going to be brown people or people of, like, non-Anglo descent.
0: How many times do I need to tell someone, my name is Alia? It it doesn't matter if it's a dozen, a hundred. Some people refuse to say it. They say Alia. And I I just, I don't even notice when people say Alia anymore. Like, people that I think should, people I work with, people who see me every day, Oh God! That's you the worst. hear my name at least once a day, and it's I just I don't even notice when half half the time when someone says Aliyah anymore because it's so just,
1: it's, it's, it's like, become my alias. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. and you're tired of playing that fight. Like I'm
0: like I, I yeah. I, I mean that's, I should only have to say it once or twice.
1: Like I mm-hmm. like my actual legal chosen name is quite Arab and. Frequently mispronounced at me. That's why I say, "Oh, just call me Alyssa or Ellie." Or
0: Ellie, yeah. And
1: I like those, but like, I've had people walk up to me about my actual name, and here they hear me say, it and it's like, "I think you're saying it wrong." And it's like, <laughs> did, did they you... say it to you? They, like, I literally had somebody walk up to me and say, "I think you're saying your name wrong." I'm like, <laughs> oh
0: my god!
1: And it's like, I'm just gonna... oh no, oh, I just my turned god. around and walked the fuck off from that.
0: Yeah, the only time I. am not upset if someone tells me you're saying your name wrong or like they try to argue with me as if it's someone whose native language is Arabic and my name is uh, of Arab origin it's Alia and it's hard for me to even make that sound myself so when I say Alia and I hear maybe someone whose native language is Arabic and they're like it's Alia then I'll be like okay you're right I i like hearing you say it the way that it originally is pronounced you know um,
1: it's like sorry but sorry I'm okay I, it's like that. i love you but i've been dealing with white people
0: yeah right. <laughs> like i've been surrounded by people other people who cannot pronounce it therefore i can't either
1: it's like you said it right let me buy you <laughs> a coffee yeah yeah it's that's funny the, though yeah i
2: i feel like when i when i meet people they know that my name isn't, like, far off from something they know because Samia, and it, it's also spelled S-A-M-Y-A. Like, it's incredibly phonetic. Yeah. Um, but when I, like, introduce myself to people and they hear it verbally for the first time rather than reading it, a lot of times people be like, okay, well, I'm just going to call you Sam. Can I just call you Sam? <laughs> and I, I mean, I, like, look at them and I was like, you can call me that if you want to, but that is not my name. Hell yeah. And, like... but you know, that is what everyone from high school calls me. That's what my mom calls me. That's what my dad calls me. It's what my, my entire extended family calls me, Sam. And, but for them, it's a nickname. It's not meant to like, I don't want to do the mental gymnastics of trying to learn a name that's like vaguely foreign to me. So I'm just going to go ahead and shorten it to something that I'm more comfortable with. It's like, no, I'm, you cannot do that. So I, like, I tell them, I'm like, it's whatever you want to call me is your decision, you know, but I'm letting you know that that is not my name. I'm not going to Hell give you yeah. permission to disrespect me basically. Oh
0: God, I love it. And everybody
2: in my adult life calls me Samia. Nobody calls me Sam who I've met since I turned 18, um, which wasn't anything that I did on purpose, but um, I just sort of, but it, recently I, I would say probably like since I, since probably a year before I wrote that poem that I read at yellow punk, yeah. was when I started being like, no, you cannot call me Sam as a one-off because it symbolizes your inability or your unwillingness to actually learn my name as it is.
0: Mm-hmm. Those two syllables are too emotionally difficult for some people.
2: It's <laughs> like, crazy. Why? It just attacks me every time. Uh, like, why like it's this... not even hard. No. Like, sometimes, no. No, sometimes like, I had a friend in college whose name was Ahlam. Yeah, and I under okay. Like I do kind of understand. Anglo speakers are not used to uh, having that very like voiced H. That like yes, sound. yeah. Sound so I do kind of understand people like you know stuttering over it a little. Samia is like <laughs> literally so easy I am not asking yeah. you for much I'm not asking you to like make like a glottal stop noise like exactly. it's really not a big deal yeah. you're just being like really really lazy and I, mean, I won't allow it
0: just a blatant refusal to repeat it back after you say it from <laughs> your own lips to them
2: it's like, like I've said to people Please, yeah. like if you want me to repeat it I will happily repeat it for you I will repeat it twice a day until you learn it if that's what you need me to do yeah you know but don't like not ever say my name out loud because you like got too nervous to ask me how to say it like that's I I I respect people who are like upfront and ask me if they don't know yes yeah exactly exactly like I don't mind people asking me
0: and say hey you know I I need you to repeat this a few times this is just a new name for me or whatever whatever but when it's mm-hmm. like hey Aaliyah Aaliyah this, Aaliyah that, where it's, I, I I feel like there gets a point where it's an active refusal mm-hmm. to say it correctly. Um, and yeah, it gets a little old, as as you know, <laughs> as we it all has. know. But it's also yeah.
1: kind of refreshing to be able to voice that and be like, yeah. oh my God, fuck this noise.
0: Yeah, it's nice to be yeah. able to talk about
2: it.
1: Yes. I totally agree.
0: Um, I guess before you get into the third poem, um, I'm wondering if there are if you have some poets like specific poets who inspire you or maybe influence your work in any way or are just meaningful to you for any reason.
2: I do. Um, so yeah, before this interview, I was trying to think of some people. Um, yeah, I have, like a bunch of different people for like different reasons more. And people whose work resonated more with me at different times in my sort of, like, poetic progress. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say, like, the first poet I ever really fell in love with was Kai Davis, who actually is Philadelphia-based. Oh, okay. Um, and she's, like, a a black poet living here in Philadelphia. A lot of her work uh, revolves around um, being black, being queer. Um, and I just – she's she's amazing, and she's, like, such a – a really like beautiful individual. And I actually met her and did a workshop with her in West Philly, like two years ago with her oh, wow. poetry collective, the Philly pigeon. Yeah. Um, she's amazing. She just is like, she's an astounding human being. And just like, she is magnanimous in person mm. and on stage. And I just like really, yeah, I love her work. Um, and I still do. Crystal Valentine also is like another um black woman, writer uh who does like spoken word and stuff her piece um specifically and it's funny because like for all these poets I have like very specific pieces where I was like this is the piece where I found this person and I was like this this yeah. poem changed my life her piece Tempest which uh-huh. you can find it's on YouTube um mm-hmm. okay. at like actually changed the trajectory of my writing um oh my gosh. and mm, that was like one of the first poems I ever heard where I was like, wow, you can follow a metaphor through all the way for like a three and a half minute poem and never break the metaphor. And I just was, I just, uh, that poem, I'm like getting goosebumps thinking mm. about it. It still is like one of my favorite pieces to date. And if I ever need like inspirational, like stop what I'm doing and just go like watch it a couple times. Wow.
1: We will um, be linking that by the way.
2: Yeah. We'll it's po- so good. We'll
0: post a link on our website and I can't wait to hear it.
2: Oh my God. Uh, some other people, I really love um, Rafi Siada is a Palestinian Canadian poet, um, and oh, her cool. piece. She has a she has two really famous pieces. Well, she has like three really famous pieces that I know of, um, and they're just so every single one of them is so amazing. Um, but one of them, like the refrain that she comes back to like a bunch of times, is like. I am an Arab woman of color and we come in all shades of anger. And I, yeah, exactly. That's my response. (laughs) Uh, It's really incredible. Um, And just the way she weaves narratives together to make, um, to make a point is, is so beautiful. Um, I carry around a Maya Angelou book, of her poems um, from like her earlier days. Oh, um, cool. Rachel Wiley also was like a fat poet who I love so much. I, I like identify as like a fat person, and fat politics are incredibly interesting to me. And um, I love like body affirmation. Yeah. Um, I, I like won't even say like body positivity as much as, yeah, I'll just say like body affirmation, body acceptance, love it. and like seeing beauty in bodies um outside of a system that seeks to profit off of them like including like wage labor including like pharmaceuticals including like um like industry or whatever like if we were um and i don't want to seem like i'm like advocating for people not taking meds because that's not it at all but i just mean like if we were to move away from um feeling like our bodies need to be fixed right um outside of like functional things like we we need to there's like language and like dieting about like basically like reining your body and like oh I've been naughty so I better go right, to whatever yes. and punish myself so that I can be redeemed for this naughty thing that I ate when I was hungry like yeah I, it just is like ridiculous to me. And I think so it's till- so
0: damn. Oh, sorry. I think it's just so damaging when people are like, "Oh my God, you lost weight. You look so beautiful." Bitch. Putting <laughs> like constantly putting those two things together. I I just I don't like how that just keeps being, uh, oh, fat and beautiful are mutually exclusive.
1: It's like hearing that. I'm like, bitch! I will straight up eat a pizza right now, despite you. <laughs>
2: I just I just yeah to yeah. me it just is um you know when people say that because people I I like work and food service and it's mostly uh-huh. like women of the older generation who like make very strange comments on my appearance and like compliments are one thing but some sometimes women will be like and it's always older women uh-huh. who are like have you lost weight you look great and I like always look at them and I'm like no I did not lose any weight and <laughs> yeah. like don't even I'm like what like the fuck like why are you I don't know you why are you even asking me this and,
0: yeah why are you looking at my body that closely
2: right right Ugh, and like yeah. some woman and I like work in food service so like I guess people as like defense mechanisms make like weird comments about like oh I shouldn't be doing this or like oh like oh my get god get that yeah. chocolate ice cream. and I'm like I I literally and I tell people I'm like chocolate is soul food it
1: is like I'll just like
2: look at like no, you should get the chocolate. It's gonna make you feel really good. Yeah, and that's something that you value. right like, I'm, like, I just <laughs> yeah. it makes me crazy. Diet culture is like, yeah, same here. whole Pandora's box of thoughts for me. Oh my god. Um,
1: yes, but
2: just a few other poets though, quickly. If, no, um, go go I'm go like, go. Hell yeah.
1: Go.
2: yeah. Um, um, so I love Mahogany Brown, and she has this one piece called Blurred Vision, mm. and it's about being the ugly friend. And it hit me so hard. And for her, it has a lot to do with darks being a dark-skinned black woman versus her light-skinned friend. Oh. But the way that her light-skinned friend gains validation and acceptance from a man. Yeah. And this is about like their adolescence. But it it every time I listen to it, I just cry, just wow. profusely at the end of it every single time. And it's only like three minutes long, but I it just gets me so much um because I yeah I I, it resonates with me a lot um being like a fat brown girl living in a a mostly thin white town high school middle school etc etc and never feeling like I was given validation from the men who were around me or the boys um Mm -hmm. and that yeah there's a just those feelings of like loss and shame and embarrassment um in the midst of all that that piece blurred vision just it wow. it was beyond my capacity to like yeah really even like explain so yeah please go watch that yes I'm gonna um, look um, up
0: everything you've mentioned
2: and also just the last person um he's featured a lot on button poetry his, his work is and he's the only man on my <laughs> I, th- I think he uses he, him pronouns. Um, but okay. he, if not, I'll just start using they because I'm actually not sure. Okay. Uh, but they do really incredible political work um, that I think is nuanced and so beautiful and like hard hitting. Mm. Uh, and I think the way that they take um, small sort of instances and blow them up into be much larger uh statements about society and things i think are so it's so beautiful and the way that they craft words is just uh, just beautiful yeah i don't really have any other words for it besides that but um gante i think is how you pronounce it it's g-u-a-n-t-e gante okay Okay. g-u-a-n-t-e there we go oh okay okay gaunte i think okay Okay. i've never heard their name pronounced out loud though
1: okay and that that's kind of a recurring theme like on on this show is like occasionally we talk about stuff where we never actually have to say it out loud because we only talk about it online Uh Mm uh-huh and suddenly we're
0: we're we're new to this podcasting thing we just started this year so it's like oh wait we're saying everything out loud (laughs) <laughs> this is all verbal and right. God, there's so much we're referencing that we've read but not said out loud before So
2: it's kind of mm-hmm. cool
0: i'm I can excited go ahead and to check out
2: oh yeah i'm that's... excited
0: i'm really excited to check out all of those poets
2: yeah that's that's like some good that is some good stuff right there um oh, some wait. really incredible poems ahead of you so get ready mm-hmm. also just like scouring um, buttons page like button poetry oh, um okay. i don't love all of their stuff yeah uh i I find that some of it isn't i don't know it doesn't quite break barriers i don't know Mm -hmm. it's interesting they they do some interesting stuff however they give poets a huge platform and a lot of the poets that they pick are just incredible incredible writers and artists and performers so awesome yeah definitely some some fun listening ahead of you there nice
0: Oh, I'm excited. Um, well, I guess are you do you feel ready for the third poem?
2: Yeah, okay. So I'll okay. I'll preface this. This is um a little sexually explicit. Um this oh, no. poem <laughs> God forbid. Um so I'll just preface this with like earlier this summer, this interview surfaced or resurfaced from DJ Khaled from like twenty fourteen. Oh boy. And yeah. I felt like Okay. So I'll, I'll explain. So he, in this interview, for whatever reason was asked whether or not he gives his wife oral sex to which he replied, never, never, never all like proud and stuff. So it, I was so angry about this and you know, and I was like, I have to write a poem about this and then also he's Palestinian American and I was like okay you know like whose man is this like this is my man and I'm like he's he's this he's my man's and uh-huh. I gotta like rein him in real <laughs> so like
0: yeah
2: is not allowed to shame us this way so I went ahead and wrote this poem in all of my anger at DJ Khaled so this is called for DJ Khaled, or a non-exhaustive list of disgusting stuff straight dudes do while simultaneously complaining about eating pussy. Hawking loogies. Wearing the same boxers multiple days in a row. Eating protein powder. Going months without washing your sheets. Wearing Axe body spray. Asking to come on my face. Casually using the word cunt. Fantasizing about fucking your stepmom. Scratching your balls in literally any public space. Calling your ex-girlfriends crazy. Sending dick pics that literally no one ever asked for. Telling me I need to shave my pubic hair like you're some kind of expert on bodily hygiene. Like, bro, you really gonna do all that nasty shit and still have the audacity to make me feel self-conscious about my internal organs? Like, the time a dude told me he wouldn't give me head because he didn't like the taste. First of all, you didn't even try it, so how do you know? Didn't you ever learn picky eaters often go hungry? We don't offer second dinner in my house. Second of all, what do you think jizz tastes like? Eat all the pineapple you want, boo. That shit's still gonna taste like garbage because your diet is like a 12-year-old with a credit card. Like, the one time a (laughs) dude wanted to go down on me and I told him not to because I was worried about what he would think. Some kind of backwards brainwash. Teenage boys out here eating Tide Pods but telling their girl that pussy tastes weird? Like a woman telling me I didn't have to go down on her if I didn't want to. As if I wouldn't want to. People with vaginas must actively unlearn disgust for their own body parts, and yeah, I could talk about how vaginas are like flowers to convince you to see them as beautiful, but pussies are beautiful because they're pussies. like. How are you gonna tell me you a king in bed? Guess maybe you are, because most kings had concubines, but kings run a higher-than-average risk of being decapitated, so your choice, I guess. Out here acting in the streets, but Mike Pence in the sheets. Like, for real? Put your mouth on my pussy, you pillow princess little bitch. But, like... You wanna face fuck me? Wanna penetrate my skull so violently that my eyes water fake gagging noises for you, slobber and throat bile dripping from my chin and coating your dick, but somehow touching tongue to clitoris is too gross to you? And if you're a dude who says he eats pussy publicly so all the women in your life know that you know how a real man satisfies his girl, you better put your mouth where your mouth supposedly already is. You better make sure that pussy comes correct. Master that cunning linguistic. Become connoisseur of cun, Lick pussy because you like pussy. Better have your girl quiver and shiver and praising a God she ain't never been to church for. Ain't no half ass pussy, God. That's like ordering a Sunday for the cherry a lot of preparation and anticipation only to waste all that sweet cream i don't know dj khaled i never wanted to know any details about your sex life but here are some observations based on your comments guess you couldn't ever find the key to unlock that box maybe you're always shouting your own name on your tracks because like you never heard your girl shout it and now at least we know another one never came from counting orgasms How are you going to refuse to worship at the altar you were born in? One day at the pearly gates, the goddess will stand before you, instruct you to eat the fruit, ask you how hungry you've been for sustenance. And when you tell her you never, never, never ate the meal she placed between your wife's legs, she'll make sure you spend eternity starving.
0: i have thoughts on this i have so many good thoughts on this i love that i love the anger mixed with so much humor in this poem like we were just cracking up over here i don't know if you heard us but we couldn't we were like trying to contain ourselves
2: no no i appreciate it this poem always gets laughs that's why i like to i like to include it it's like lighter than some of my other stuff that's
1: However, I do have one thing. As a 12-year-old with a credit card, I feel personally attacked.
2: (laughs) I just have, like, just some of this, like, I have heard men, like, tell me that they don't want to go down on me because they don't like the way that it tastes. Yeah. At the same time, expecting me to, like, swallow semen. Semen. And it just is, like, it just is, like, I, what? Like, are you crazy and the fact that we've like let like dudes like get away with thinking that way yeah so long without being like bitch slapped like (laughs) how have we let this occur for so long it just makes me crazy yeah yeah and the
0: whole like uh, what you pointed out how do you know you haven't even tasted it
2: on me right No idea what it tastes like, (laughs) so like don't even come near me. And it's it's like at this point it's like you know that's it's a done deal. Like if you're not into if you don't want to do that you can leave. Yeah, we're not moving forward at all. I'm done. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm not the one who suffered in that. You are. Yeah,
0: you missed out.
1: Yeah, Uh, but a lot of that also resonated with me because I'm like, oh my god, I I've been to that guy's house. I I've looked at those sheets and I was like, no, let's go back to the couch.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm oh the sheets that were not washed for four months
1: i those sheets that have never been washed yeah (laughs) Yeah. like that's what i'm
2: saying like so much stuff that like oh eating pussy is gross and i'm like "Mm, uh do you have you seen how you live like you are disgusting (laughs) like most like like hetero dudes i know are like disgusting individuals (laughs) <laughs> like they just like live in, like really just like gross conditions which is not to say like uh, you know hashtag not all men or whatever not all men, but you blah, know blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah
0: but <laughs>
2: i feel like i feel like the men who tell you that they don't want to eat pussy because it's gross are the exact same men who live in virtual squalor like uh, I, yeah of their own
0: thing oh yeah there's you absolutely know? a correlation there um
1: the but... Yeah, the one I've sort of noticed the correlation. It's like the ones who want to be on the download the most and protect their masculinity are also the ones with the grossest houses and apartments. Yeah. yeah. Mhm. It's just, it's just like, did did no one ever teach you to you know clean <laughs> or groom? No, like, they didn't. Where, where were your parents? You know. Well. They taught you some... all this. They taught you all this masculine pride bullshit. You know what about you know? What about proper care for yourself? yeah that's not
2: functional
0: right (laughs) yes in some families if you're a boy you are not asked to do any of that stuff yeah so
1: it's like yeah it's like but you're also like too cheap to hire a maid to make up for your shortcomings
0: right well or you're too lazy to fucking learn how to wash a fucking fork
2: right (laughs) right so. I yeah, the well what I, I love so much about this this piece is I think that for me, it is like funny and it is personal, but also it's highly political. Like the politics of, mm-hmm. like there are politics involved in sexual interactions and the politics of kindolingus are like com- very complicated to me, but also like so clear. Yeah, you know, a like, lack
0: of equality.
2: Right, right. um, a, and just like yeah, a hatred of vaginas, like across the board, mm-hmm. like, and like that that hasn't been resolved yet, you yeah. know, and I yeah, it's 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 really difficult for me, yeah, um to, to think about just just to sort of try and like turn over in my mind how and uh, like why and in what ways the patriarchy is still um wants to control my body, my pleasure, the like circumstances of my life. Yeah. You know, um and yeah. I think that this is one of the most insidious because it makes women feel disgusting or it makes people with vaginas feel disgusting. You yeah. know, like their body parts need to be apologized for. Yes. And that is really I think j- just a crime, you know. Yeah. Um
0: It is. Yeah. It absolutely
2: is. Uh, And yeah, there's
0: so many, so much, like, giving people a pass, saying, oh, well, not everyone's into it. It's like... I'm like, uh, well, when it's a pattern, when it it starts to be a pattern of, like, Mm -hmm. it becoming the norm for a man to say that about a vagina, like, it's not just a one-off, it's not just... You know the occasional person just that's not their thing but it's no there's a systemic thing going on
1: mm-hmm. yeah and that right. whole lack of self-care that guys do it's like i've heard those conversations between women where they're like you know he doesn't he needs to it's it's like you too can have a guy who washes and bathes bathes more than once a week Right. and you know, As if it's
0: this, like, amazing anomaly.
1: It's like... Right. And times, like, thank, thank the gods I am so bisexual. I can opt out of that shit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, and I've seen um, posts even on Facebook that says... And to me, it just... It has the opposite effect than what I think... Uh, to, on me of what I think the intention is. These memes on Facebook that say, um, yeah, flowers... Like women posting, like, flowers are nice, chocolate's nice, but what's really hot is a man who vacuums the house. And I'm like, why does that even have to be celebrated? (laughs) Like, that should be a given.
1: That should be, like, basic.
0: That should be the basic. Like, if you live with a man, you should both be doing the house stuff. And it shouldn't become a meme. Why, Why is there no meme saying, oh, it's so hot when a woman is able to take care of a house.
1: It's, it's like, it's so hot when she can crack open that refrigerator and replace the cooling thingy. Yeah.
0: Versus, <laughs> yes.
2: Versus a man. That's like specialized work, though. Like, this, like vacuuming the house is like, this is just like vital to our living. I know. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, but I was trying to
1: go for like the sort of... Oh, know, what you expect practice. a
2: guy to know how to do.
1: Yeah, like, or like non-gendered, like because so much like housework is almost exclusively gendered as female you know uh doing dishes you know mm. the standard you know misogynist bullshit. you know get in the kitchen and make me a sandwich or yeah. cleaning the dishes or right. something and i'm like it's we've gotten to the point where like can you, i can't think aside from like maybe barbecuing it's like i can't think of like an internal household chore that or task that men are expected to do. Like, by default. By default.
0: And if they do do it, then people are like, oh my God, I scored. Praise him. I scored. I got, like, I I struck gold here with this guy. Praise him. (laughs) Yeah, that's the standard we're at. Oh,
2: man. Well, and I also just think, like, I don't know, like, but also there's, like, the men who think that they're doing that Right, and then, but turns, like, turns out that they're the exact same. They just, like, put, like, a hat on and, like, try to be all, like, sanctimonious about it, like. Right.
1: I'm so woke because I did dishes this week.
2: Right, right, (laughs) right, exactly, but then, like, turn around and, like, they, like, they're not reciprocating oral sex for their partner at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, that exact same night, like, guess what, like. Yeah. You, yeah, you're not like you're not woke, and like if you are woke, you just have like terrible praxis, like, you're not doing this right. Like, right. <laughs> you need to like get, yeah. get better with it, you know? That's well, that's what I hated about this entire situation because this interview actually happened in 2014 and it like resurfaced earlier this summer and like went viral, and like, okay, The Rock, like tweeted a response to it or whatever and was like real men know how to blah blah and I was like ew yeah. like yeah great thank you like real men no because like real men are like lit are also not doing this like come pick right. him up
0: good point good point <laughs> fix
2: him don't try to like don't try to um what's the word I'm looking for like distance yourself from him like find yeah. him and like change him right like
1: like have that heart to heart say again oh it's like go go find dj colin and have a heart to heart it's like right dj you 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 need you need to work on a few things brother
2: yeah yeah no serious and that's like he's like a palestinian american guy and i'm like jesus like come on like yeah like
1: really it's like you're you're like we don't get that many it's like you're representing positively do do better
2: right you were yeah. also, like, an Arab man in the spotlight. Could you, like, pretend not to be misogynistic for, like, a yeah, minute? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it just killed. I was like, oh, my. So that's what I was like. I have a responsibility to write this poem. Like, Oh, my God. On behalf of, amazing. Like, semi-sexually liberated Palestinian people. Like, yeah. I have to write this poem.
0: I know but. I I'm not exact like I'm not specifically Palestinian, but I I'm feeling that toward Khaled, uh, G- right. DJ Khalid where I'm like you're an Arab guy, can you please represent <laughs> our people? Okay, do
2: better, like, better. <laughs> God damn it. Or just don't be so open about it. Just oh my it's god, like just, it, yeah. just, right. just, <laughs> just shut
1: the fuck up and be the good token Arab guy so we can improve our societal status a little.
2: A little bit. Right, just for like a minute.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Before the next bomb goes off.
2: Jeez. Yeah, I mean. Uh, oh my god.
1: Basically, uh, yeah. So, well, <laughs> so,
2: unfortunately, I think I kind of have to have to wrap up in a few. Oh,
1: well, there was something I feel like you're the right person to do this with.
2: Yeah, but...
1: please. I want to spend like at least a minute for like it's the play after the credits, just mispronouncing uh, white people names.
2: Oh. Sick.
0: Yeah. Uh thank you all so much for listening. Thank you so much, Samia, for being here. You're incredible and I feel so just honored to have you on thank our you show. Thank you for
2: having me. Yeah. I'm honored to be here.
1: So um, um where, how, can, oh, how, where can where can we where can people find you, your work, and all the badassness that is you?
2: Yeah. Um I'm probably most active on Instagram at S-A-M-Y-A-A-B-U-O-R-F, which is my name. Um, I post some stuff on Facebook as well, which is also, you know, I'm just there as my name. So cool. feel free to add me. A lot of my poetry is public on Facebook. Um, so you could probably look it up that way as well. Perfect. Um, but yeah, Instagram probably is, is the easiest way.
1: Okay. Okay. And this is for like all the new fans and publishers and stuff. To, that would be the best way to reach you?
2: Yes. Cool. Uh, no, well, you can also email me um, at SammyAbworf at Gmail, no hyphens, no spaces. Um, and uh, yeah, also, uh, I also have work featured in Caldera Magazine, uh, which is like an up and coming um, POC LGBTQ publication of art outside Ooh. of like the mainstream art scene so if you find caldera um i'll be featured monthly in caldera as well yes heck yes oh
0: i'm so excited mm-hmm. okay good to know i will be following them
1: all right.
0: um so, uh, thank you all very much for listening you can reach us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com we're also on thequeerarabs.com you can see all our episodes And then we're also on iTunes and your favorite podcast apps. So thank you all for listening.
1: And stay tuned for just a second. We have one more thing we want to do. So I feel like you're the right person to do this with. So let's mispronounce some white names. So, I'll start. Johani Deep.
0: (laughs) Brian would be
1: Brain.
2: (laughs) Um, Charlotte is Charlotti.
1: Nathan. Natan. Nathan, by the way.
0: Samuel. (laughs) Um,
2: Sophia would be Sapaya. (laughs) It always has to have the question mark at the end. I know. Oh yeah, that's true.
1: Marque. Okay. <laughs> Jamis M- is
0: James. <laughs> Jamis. Uh, Jamis. I like Jamis. that better, actually. <laughs> I like Jamis. Yeah. Hey, all you James out there, you should think about modifying. Um, it's like,
1: would it be okay if we just called you Jamis?
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. I like it. Michelle. Also, like, I like that. Or like Noah would just be like, no. <laughs> or
0: pie gay yeah (laughs) anyway thank you (laughs) thank you for butchering names with us
2: that was a good way to end the episode yeah it
0: was (laughs) alright bye everyone